0: You are listening to the Bethel Church Sermon Podcast, a ministry of Bethel Church in Yale, South Dakota. If you would, take your Bibles and turn to Romans chapter 12. (laughs) Know what you're thinking. Uh, We're not on Romans chapter 12 yet. Today, today we are. We are doing uh, what we do uh, when the last Sunday of the month, when we come to the Lord's table, we've been taking uh, some time and focusing our attention on the, the church membership covenant. So we're going to do that this morning. We're going to take just a, a small portion of that. We're going to read it. And so what I wanted to do is, is, is just flip ahead a little bit in, in Romans so we can kind of see the, the outworking of all of the the doctrine that we've been exploring for the last several years. (laughs) If you remember, Romans is divided basically in half. There is uh, really the the first part prior to chapter 12 is dealing with with theology and and gospel, uh, justification by faith alone, And then after chapter 12 is more of a a practical how we live that out, to oversimplify that a little bit. So when he says in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, I would suggest the therefore in that statement is going back to everything that he's already said based on everything in this book thus far. So, really, to go and, and grasp chapter 12, you need to grasp uh, chapters 1 through 11. Let me, uh, let's read some of this text. And if you would, stand with me as we honor the reading of Scripture together. We're going we're gonna to pick up in, in verse 9. burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we come to a a text this morning that is quite different from the ones that we've dealt with in Romans so far. Lord, this list of commands seems like a lot but Lord I pray that you would guide us and give us understanding Lord I pray that we would be people who hate evil hold fast to what is good who love one another with brotherly affection outdo one another in showing honor that we are not slothful in zeal We are fervent in spirit to long to serve you. We rejoice in hope. We're patient in tribulation, constant in prayer. Eager to contribute to the needs of the saints. Long to show hospitality. That we bless those who persecute us. We don't curse them. We rejoice with those who are rejoicing and weep with those who weep. Pray that we would live in harmony with one another. We are willing to associate with those who are lower than us. We don't seek to be wise in our own sight, that we don't repay evil for evil. Focus our attention on what is honorable in the sight of all. We would long to live at peace with everyone. We're not vengeful. We feed our enemies, give them something to drink. Lord, we pray that we are not overcome by evil. Lord, we pray that your spirit would work this morning, drive us through the gospel to Jesus Christ. We might see him more clearly Embrace the gospel and desire to live lives that are holy and pleasing to you. Lord, and I pray that you would give us insight into that this morning. And we pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Just share the the statement from the, the church covenant with you. It says, we purpose... Right? It's an agreement between one another. We purpose to watch over one another in brotherly love. You probably see why we're in Romans 12 and verse 10 is the verse that we're focusing our attention on. We purpose to watch over one another with brotherly love to remember one another in prayer, to help in one another in sickness and distress, to cultivate Christian compassion and courtesy and admonish and entreat one another as the occasions may require. I mean, there is a lot there. But that is the statement that is in the church membership covenant or agreement, and it's a very good statement. Really, I think the things here are, are obvious, in a sense, uh, Jeremy, I think said in in Sunday school this morning i 'm going to quote him that they 're easy easy to grasp, hard to do loose quote, not quite as eloquent as eloquent as his, but I think I get the gist I mean we, we get it right we We know these things in this in this list here in in Romans that we 've read the things in the church membership agreement they 're good we hate evil things. We love what is good. We seek to show compassion and hospitality and we don't, aren't vengeful people. I mean, those things are, are obvious. They're also obvious in our heart when they're not happening like they should. Reading a list like this points to the fact that we are people who are on one side to love people with brotherly affection, but on the other side are people who fail in that regard a lot. And the statement in the church membership agreement is saying, "We purpose to come alongside one another and do this. This is a, a purpose. It's not something in the back of our mind that we know that we're supposed to do, but it's something that is, that is here. This is the way we are to live. Now, I don't know if you've had an experience like this, but I would guess most of you have to some degree. And you've experienced the extreme frustration that comes when your children are fighting with one another. We have three little boys. There are times when all the way across the house or on some occasions when we are inside and they are outside We will hear an argument or a fight that is taking place. And of course, when you hear little kids fighting, you try to stop it, put an end to it, and you try to figure out what happened. So-and-so didn't do what they were supposed to do. They didn't play by the rules, right? The one rules that the other one made up. And they got pushed or hit for not abiding by the rules. I think that when siblings treat each other poorly, it's especially frustrating for parents because, as we've said so many times, CJ is your brother. You don't hit your brother. I don't care what he did. You don't hit him. He's your brother. I don't care that Silas took the toy that you were playing with. That's not a good reason to push him down. He's your brother. And we love our brother. We care for our brother. We treat our brothers a certain way. I know Will was being mean to you, but you don't bite him. We don't bite our brother. We don't bite anyone, but we especially don't bite our brothers. Brothers are special. And I I wouldn't think that I would have to tell you this. You should know it. I think parents expect siblings to love each other. And when they don't act like that, they are frustrated. And I think we all would agree that brothers are to love each other. And there's a special bond between brothers and sisters. There's even probably an obligation there. Even when a sibling does something that isn't right, we are to love them in return. And I think that this is something that we all agree on. And we would say that optimally, siblings are to have good, close relationships with one another. Of course, that doesn't always happen. Sometimes one or both drips away in one way or another. Sometimes sin enters the picture, disrupts that bond. Sin has a way of frustrating things especially relationships and still though i think we would say we have a special obligation to make things right with our siblings precisely because they are your sibling right and in the words of parent to a child child they are your brother they are your sister Why would you treat them like that? Most of us would go out of our way to help a sibling, wouldn't we? We would do things for siblings that we wouldn't... I'm thinking of adults, mostly. We would do things for siblings that we wouldn't do for just anyone. They have a special place in our our heart. And they held that special place by virtue of their relationship to us. I want to bring this up at the onset because... Of what the scripture commands the followers of of Jesus to do. And that is to love our neighbor. Think about this we are to love our neighbor even when our neighbor becomes our enemy. Isn't, Isn't that something? And if that's the case, how much more should we love our brothers and sisters? Or to put it this way, how much more then should brothers and sisters have a deep and lasting love for one another by virtue of their relationship? I do find it interesting that when Jesus was asked who our neighbors were, he told a story of the Good Samaritan. And most of us probably know that story. And the point is that the Samaritan loved the one he found left for dead on the side of the road. And, and he did what a, a good neighbor should do. And that was help him. Don't leave him to die. You, you go out of your way to, to help him. But that was a, a neighbor to neighbor relationship. What about the relationships between brothers and sisters then? The world is full of people that we will never meet. And these people are all our neighbors. We are to care about those people on the other side of the world that we've never met. When a natural disaster happens, when a terrorist attack happens, when people in another place don't have access to the gospel We show our care and and love for them. We help them with supplies. We provide for them in in ways that we can. We go out of our way to, to help them. We send people that have the gospel to people who don't. That shows love. And if this is how we are to treat people that we don't know, that we might not ever meet, Others in our community that we might not ever see again after bumping into them once, seeing them for a a moment in the store, they're a neighbor. If those people are our neighbors and we're to love them, then how much more do we love our brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ? There is no accident that the Bible uses this kind of language here. The words brothers and sisters to describe Christians and how they are supposed to treat one another. As siblings. People who have a special obligation because we're part of the same family. I remember listening to to Michael Horton once not long ago and he said that, and I think he had a really good point, and that is that our union with Christ, being united by faith, to Jesus Christ, having been made alive and adopted into the, the family of God, this makes us, he said, more kin to one another as brothers and sisters than natural lineage does. Isn't that something? We were listening to a, a speaker yesterday, and he said that he spoke to us for two hours straight and said, You know, I'm sorry, I won't be, I'm going to a different group, I won't be back with you again but I do know you, I love you. And and he said, by the way, I was adopted. I have no idea who any of my family are. He said, that gives me a, a unique appreciation for the spirit of God and the bond that is between you and I. Brothers and sisters who have never met. We have more in common with our brothers and sisters in Christ on the other side of the world that we have never met than we do with our own physical offspring. I don't think Michael Horton was saying this, suggesting that this is an excuse not to care or treat our physical siblings poorly. I I think that the point was that our relationship with other Christians is unique and it's important. And what unites us to others is more powerful than human genes. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. And what we have in, in common is more precious than our earthly parents. And that is the Lord Jesus Christ himself. It is him that we are united in faith. I know there's there's a lot in our statement and membership covenant, far too much for a single message to do this morning. But just continue to think about that first line. We purpose to watch over one another in brotherly love. Just think about that statement. I mean, isn't it saying that we as members of the church, of this local body, that we purpose as believers, we're determined to care for one another, to watch one another, watch over one another, as a, a sibling watches over his brother or sister. We have already noted that his Christians, we are united with Christ through the gospel. We have a lot in common. And in fact, we do call other believers brothers and sisters. And this is saying that our actual relationship with them, get this, our actual relationship with them ought to reflect that language. I mean, it's, it's not... Hard logic. We don't just call Christians brothers or sisters because that's a name for them. Don't say you're my brother in Christ just because you're a Christian. Saying that our actual relationship with them ought to reflect the names that we use for them. This is good, but the question is, What does scriptures teach you? Or to put it a little differently, how are we to understand brotherly love according to the scriptures? Just notice the text that we read at the onset in Romans chapter 12 in verse nine. Let love be genuine. That's quite a statement. The question that arises from that statement is what does genuine love look like? We can all have opinions and thoughts there, don't we? But notice the string of commands that follow. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in the spirit. Serve in the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless, do not curse them. Rejoice with them who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all people, if permissible, so far as it depends on you. Live at peace with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves. Leave it to the wrath of God, for his written vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you'll heat burning holes on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. What is genuine love? Jesus said it, didn't he? If you love me, you'll obey my commands. Interesting here, right? You have a command, what they are, what does genuine love look like? A holistic command. Verse 10, there is clear on how Christians are to care for one another with brotherly affection. But what I want you to notice here is that loving one another this way is tied to all of these commands, namely abhorring or hating evil and holding fast to what is good. Let me ask you this. How do we know what is evil and how do we know what is good? Let me be more specific. Because we get to know what the difference is. Here's the real question. How do we come to hate that which is evil and how do we come to love that which is good? Because that is a totally different question. I would suggest that when we get that down, we are on our way to loving one another with brotherly affection. Here's the next question. Do we naturally hate that which is evil? No. The answer is that in our natural state, we are inclined to evil. We are, as Paul said earlier in the book, inventors of evil. Not only do we practice evil things, not only are we people who participate in evil things, but we invent more ways to be evil. That's the kind of people we are. Of course, I'm not suggesting that Everything people naturally do is evil. I'm suggesting, however, that every aspect of us, our motives, our dispositions, our inclinations, all of that has been completely touched by evil. This is why Solomon can say in the Proverbs that our heart is desperately wicked and cannot be trusted because at our very core, our heart is so wicked that everything that comes out of it is touched by evil. There is a natural bend in us toward godlessness. In Romans Romans 12, the command to hate evil and love what is good, but the Bible is clear that naturally we cannot do that. Is that clear? Romans 1, 18 through the end of chapter 3 paint a very clear picture. We are not good. There is no one righteous, not one. We are inventors of evil. We are altogether people who do not seek God. So, why is the scripture commanding something that we cannot do? We naturally don't long to be good. In Adam, we are all in a state of sin. We sin because we are sinners from the start. How then can God command something that is impossible? That's the question. Saint Augustine saw this tension and he... His... Thoughts on this really bothered Pelagius, the heretic. And Augustine prayed this in his confessions. He said, Lord, command what you will, and then grant what you command. In other words, Augustine recognized that the power to keep the commands of God comes from God himself, because it is in and of ourselves we cannot So the answer to the question, how do we abhor evil? How do we love what is good? The answer to that question is found in God himself. It is found in regeneration. It is found in new birth. Because at new birth, at regeneration, the inclination and disposition of the heart radically changes. And no longer is it inclined to evil Now it longs to pursue and please God. we are given that capacity. And although sin still plagues the regenerate person, it means that they will not revel in it, but they will hate it. There's a, a fundamental change that takes place when a person comes to faith in Christ Jesus. And don't misunderstand me. I'm not suggesting that Christians do not and cannot get caught up in sin. Serious sin, public sin. I'm not suggesting that any believer is immune to that. I'm not suggesting that Christians do not get caught up in sin for a time because they are tempted. I'm not suggesting that sin is something that does not bring joy for a time. There are times in which sin seems very appealing to the believer. Adam and Eve enjoyed communion with God, unended relationship with Him. However, the prospect of violating the command of God was extremely appealing to them in the moment. A few hours later, not so much. And the same is said for the Christian. For a time, but in the end, the believer will see their sin for what it is, be ashamed, and come back to the Father in faith and repentance. So first of all, to obey the command here is to hate evil, to love good. One must be regenerate. They must be a believer. But secondly, the believer recognizes that his or her strength comes from God himself. The Christian recognizes that God speaks to them through his word. We know that God hates. We know what God hates in his word. We know what God wants from us in his, in his word, what he's revealed to us. And then the spirit uses the word of God in our lives and empowers us to obey the commands that God has given us that we cannot obey on our own. We rely and trust on God to grow and shape us into the people that he wants us to be. And this does not happen apart from his word. So many times people are saying, why am I not growing? Why am I not caring about things I know I ought to care about? Why am I? What has your relationship been with the word? I mean, if you're kind of wondering where we are going here with all of this. In a message on brotherly love, this is it. If we are going to obey the commands of God, we must recognize that our obedience to God in this area to love our brothers does not happen in a vacuum. In other words, it does not happen apart from God's word and the spirit's illumination and empowerment in our lives. To think otherwise would be absolutely foolish and arrogant. So understand this, that when we do not love one another as we ought, as our neighbors, so all others, our church family, like siblings, love siblings, I would suggest the problem is either, first of all, we're not regenerate in the first place, I mean, this could be the case, couldn't it? And we're sitting here this morning. We see the, the commands in this portion of, of Scripture to love God, to hate evil, to love each other with a genuine love, a brotherly affection. And we recognize that not only do we fail in this, not only do we incredibly fall short of this, that it is only Christ Jesus that did this perfectly. And that because of our sin in this area, he died for us. That the wrath of God was completely satisfied in Christ Jesus for us. That we've been good with our hatred up until now. We've been good with our lack of love for those people that are Christians, those people that we should love, who ought to be treated like our brothers and sisters. And we recognize the solution to this is only found in Jesus Christ himself. So we turn to him in in faith and repentance and we cling to him. And if we say, I will not love, I will not show brotherly affection toward him or her, I'm good with not doing that. I would suggest that we need to go back and question. Am I really regenerate? Sometimes people justify their feelings toward others. But here the command to love genuinely is coupled with loving good, hating evil. Something that only the regenerate person can accomplish because they have been given new birth. Have the spirit of God empowering them to fulfill the commands of God that are totally contrary to against and against our own nature. To take and love people who are radically unlovable. And love them radically. To treat and love our enemies as our neighbors. And our church family as brothers and sisters. Counterintuitive. How does that happen without the spirit of God? In the regenerate heart. Empowering. it? It doesn't. We said earlier that Christians can fall into sin. Even very serious sin. This means that one can be regenerate and still not love rightly for a season. And the problem there would not be that they are not regenerate, but it would be the need for repentance. There might be people in our minds now that we're aware of that, that we have little concern for, that we, we've not loved them, we, we know who they are. And we're not loving them with any kind of brotherly affection. We're not loving them as our neighbor, as the, the scripture defines this. Now, just in case we think that, that Paul's command here is isolated, say, well, this is just one text in, in Romans. And I, and I justify this. Let me just point to some other places where this command is given. Really, I want to show us this because I think our tendency for us is to justify our own actions and say, well, I don't love that person. I don't care for that person. And I have a good reason for that. I just want us to see a sample, a small sample here in the scriptures and just let these scriptures come to bear on our excuses. In the next chapter of Romans, so chapter 13, starting in verse 8, We read this. Oh, no one anything except love each other. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is fulfilling the law. The author of Hebrews exhorts the Hebrew believers. In chapter 13, let brotherly love continue. And then he goes on and says this, do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers. Thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Remember those who are in prison as though in prison with them and those who are mistreated. Notice how Peter couples our love for each other with our salvation in Christ Jesus. 1 Peter 1, start in verse 20. He was foreknown before the foundation. talking about Jesus. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you. Who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory. Why did he do this? So that your faith and hope are in God. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth, Why? For a sincere brotherly love. Love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Why? In case you missed it, since you have been born again. If you've been born again, this is how you live. In the third chapter of 1 Peter, in verse eight, starting in verse eight, we read this. Finally, all of you, Have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart and a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless. For to do this, you are called that you may obtain a blessing. Called there, saved. The reason you were called, the reason you were saved is that we might live in unity, that we might live in brotherly love, and that love that we have for one another might point the world around us to Jesus Christ. I mean, I could, I could keep going on. And on. But we need to get to the Lord's table I would say there's room for repentance in all of our hearts. In this this one area. That we need to submit to the Lord Jesus. And just say, "Let, let these scriptures come to bear on the way that we love one another. The way that we love the people that we come in contact every day. The people that we work with. And who isn't our neighbor? And our brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ this would be a good opportunity for us as we come to the Lord's table this morning. Thank you for listening to this sermon resource from BethelMBChurch.org. If you'd like to learn more about Bethel Church or find other resources, please visit our website at BethelMBChurch.org. Bethel Church exists to bring glory to God by promoting the joyful worship of Jesus Christ both here and abroad.